Good Sunday morning to you. It is April the 26, 2020. This is Pastor John E. Godby coming to you from Hollywood Branch Road on the Crawley Creek. Good morning. I'm glad that you have joined us, and I pray that the message would be a blessing and encouragement to you today. The title is What is Eternal Life, and this will be part one, and uh, we would ask you to get your Bibles open to 1 John chapter number 5, 1 John chapter number 5, and today we have with us uh, the Clark family, and they're singing a song that is um, very appropriate for the day and time we're living especially with this virus problem that we have. It's called Middle of My Storm. Greater than my weakness, greater than my tears, you can. 
Lord, hold my hand in the middle of my storm. When I'm sinking down, Lord, help me stand. Help me stand. When the waves are crashing round, may I keep my eyes on you. Because, Lord, you're the only one who can help me get through. You are the only one who can help me get through. The middle of my storm. The middle of my storm. Amen. Boy, I tell you, that is a good song for the day and times that we are living. And so as we think about uh, this uh, pandemic that is upon us, let us remember that God is in control and that we must rely on him in the middle of these storms that are upon us on this earth. Let us uh, look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Father, as we come before you, we want to thank you for the day that you have given us and that we might, uh, in this day, we might give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you will do for us. We are in the midst of a storm and we are certainly uh, wanting you to, to have mercy on us and that you might, you might, our Lord, take this away, that you might remove it, that you might give the scientists, the medical personnel, the wisdom to know what to do to have this storm removed from us. Now, we pray for everyone that's listening today, that they will listen with their spiritual ears and that their heart would be ready and prepared to hear the word of God. As we look in your word today, may it be food for the soul. Uh, May it be uplifting, encouragement, and if there are those listening that don't know Jesus, may it be a conviction to their heart and a salvation to their person. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When studying the Bible, we must take the word of God at face value. The Bible is not a philosophy, nor a tradition of man-made sources. It is the inerrant, infallible, and perfect original manuscript word of God. Let us examine the term today, eternal life. To the fullest. So in your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 5, and we want to look at verse 13 today. And John says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
Now notice as we dissect this verse, the first thing that John tells us is these things have I written. Well, what things did he write? Well, obviously we're talking about the book of first John. Those are the things that he had written. And he continues to say that you may know that you may know the word know means you have confidence, you have understanding, you have wisdom about the subject. So John says you can know that you have eternal life. Well, how can you know? Some people say this about eternal life. Well, I think I might. Uh, if I've done enough good, uh, if if I've given enough, well, I hope so. If you do enough good works, well, yes, if you're baptized or if you take communion or if you speak in tongues or if you anoint with oil or if you wash feet. No, that's not what this verse says. It says that you may know because you have believed on the name of the Son of God. That's how you have eternal life. You see, God does not want you to be in the dark about your salvation. Jesus died openly, and he said at the end of his sacrifice for our sins, it is finished. So you may know that you have, that means currently possess, eternal life. So let us look at some facts about this subject. First of all, what did God say you had to do to be saved? 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, two times in that verse, he says that you believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, it is not a head knowledge that you believe there's a God, but it is the heart knowledge that you have from your heart received Jesus as your personal Savior. If you have done that, the Bible promises that you have eternal life. I mean, the most simple verse in the Bible gives us that assurance. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's you, believeth, put your faith, your confidence, your trust in him, in Jesus, shall not perish, not go to hell, but have, presently I have eternal life. You see, God wants you to have a personal relationship with him through your salvation. John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God, sons of God, daughters of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, my salvation is a personal relationship with Jesus because I am now a child of God because I believed on him. I also have the peace of God because I believed on him. Romans 5 
and verse 1 says, Wherefore, being justified by faith, that is, putting your trust, your belief, faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a personal relationship because we have been saved. We have peace because we've been saved. We have pardon. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That means I have been acquitted. I have been justified. And so I have that personal relationship. I have peace with God. I have been pardoned of my sin. And when I got saved, I received the power of God in my life. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. So again, let us let us think about this term, eternal life. When you receive Christ, you receive a personal relationship. You receive peace. You receive pardon. You receive power. And fifthly, you receive perfection. Now, some of you just said, whoa, wait a minute. I know you, John E. Gobby. You're not perfect. And that's true. I am not perfect in my old flesh. But listen to Hebrews 12, 23, and let's clarify what's perfect about John E. Godby. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Well, what was made perfect when I got saved? Well, it wasn't my old flesh because it wants to and has a tendency to do wrong. But my soul was made alive when Christ came into my life. He washed my soul in his blood and he made it perfect for him. He saved it. He lives there through the power of of the Holy Spirit. He is alive in my soul in me. So what did God say you had to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him, receive eternal life, and you are saved. Your soul is made perfect. Now let's go to a second um, a second fact. What part of you was saved? What part of you was saved? Now let's think about our first father, Adam. Adam was made perfect when God created him, that he was perfect until he sinned. Sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Adam's perfection was gone when he disobeyed God and ate of the forbidden fruit. He attempted to cover his sin by sewing fig leaves together to hide his nakedness, or in other words, to hide his sin. Uh, Paul says in 
Romans 5.12 about uh, Adam, wherefore by one man, that is Adam, one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Well, you see, I'm so thankful that there was a second Adam that came 4,000 years after the first one. His name is Jesus. And he is able to give us eternal life and save our soul and restore us back to God. You see, we are made up of three parts. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says that man is a triune. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So let us examine these three parts and try to understand our salvation. First of all, we have a body. It is the flesh. It is visible. It is tangible. It's what we walk around in. We have a soul. The soul is invisible. It is the psyche, the personality, the mind, the emotion, the will. But that part of us, because of Adam's sin that he passed down to us, that part of us is dead until we come to know Jesus who makes our soul alive. Our soul right now presently is within us. Those of us who are saved, it is alive in Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in your soul. Those of you who are listening that are not saved, your soul is dead. It is like a battery in a car that will not start. The battery is dead. It needs to be charged. Thirdly, we have a spirit. The spirit also is invisible. Many times people get soul and spirit confused. But listen to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So we do have a soul and we do have a spirit. This part of us is the part of a person that can reach God in worship, in fellowship, and can have relationship with God. Listen to John chapter 4 and verse 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. A lot of people can go to church that are lost, but they can't worship God in spirit and truth because their spirit and their soul is dead to the things of God until they get saved. Paul says in Romans 8:16, the spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so until the Holy Spirit comes into your soul at the moment of salvation, your worship is in vain. Your spirit and your soul are dead, but 
when you get saved, you are then made alive. Let's go back and look at Adam again. God created Adam with a healthy body, a happy soul, and a holy spirit within him until he sinned. This is why Jesus came. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Luke says, But the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And so we see that that our soul is lost until we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 2.1, You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That soul of yours, it was in your body, but it was dead. It was like that car battery that won't start. But when Christ came in, he jumped your soul and gave you the power to start a new life like a new battery or a jump battery starts a car. What then shall I do to be restored or saved, you might say? How can I get my soul started? How can I get my soul saved? Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31 answers the question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said unto him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. You see, it is a simple matter. Believing, putting your faith, putting your trust, putting your confidence in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, through the tomb, and by the resurrection. The promise that God makes to a believer is believe and receive eternal life. John chapter 5 verse 24 says, Verily, verily, in other words, listen to me, listen to me, I say to you, he that heareth my word. Now for the past 20 minutes or so, you've been hearing the word of God. Therefore, you've met the first prerequisite to be saved, hearing the word of God. And now it's your turn and believing on him that sent me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, that's old English for the word has, eternal life. In other words, you have it right now. When you believe on Jesus, you receive eternal life at that moment and you shall not come unto judgment. You will not go to hell, just like what John 3.16 says. You shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so John chapter 5, verse 24 says, and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death, that is the deadness of sin, unto life, that is eternal life. My friends, don't fret, don't sweat. Hey, 
If you've believed in Jesus, you have eternal life. So what must you do? You must come to Christ just as you are and ask him to forgive you. Come to Jesus today if you haven't already done this. Bow your hands. Bow your hearts. Tell the Lord you're sorry for your sin. Ask Him to forgive your sin, to come into your life and save you just as you are. Maybe you are wayward today. You've been saved, but you're not living the way you should. Just tell God that you want to recommit your life to Him. Start over. Continue to serve God with your heart. Restore the joy of your salvation. And God will instantly take you back as He did the prodigal son that Jesus told us the parable of.
Yes, my friend, I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer. And if you would desire to pray that prayer and to to accept the Lord as your Savior this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray what I say openly or in your heart and believe what you pray and Jesus will save you today. Will you do that? Our Father in heaven, please forgive me of my sin. Help me, Lord Jesus, to confess you as my Savior. Lord, I believe in you. Take my sin away. Help me to live for you from this day forward. I thank you for dying for me on that cross. In Jesus' name, just pray a prayer like that from your heart. God will hear you and God will save you. That is his word. That is his promise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.